Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dads Show. This one hits close to home, literally. If you've stuck with us through an episode until the very end, or if you follow us on social media, you probably know that the Rad Dads Show is a podcast run by Rad Dads Edmonton. We're a community organization based out of Edmonton, Alberta, promoting positive parenting, empowerment of dads, and community involvement. So we always love when we get to talk to Rad Dads from right here at home. And today we have a very special and very Rad Dad. Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson stopped by, and we are totally honored to have had this opportunity. It's no secret we're big fans of his, and I have to admit, I let it show a bit during this chat. We talked about the importance of community, taking climate change seriously for the sake of our kids, the challenges of setting boundaries as a public figure, and the never-ending search for work-life balance as a parent. In 2020, Don announced this will be his last term as Edmonton's mayor, so we touch on what's next for him. And he also tells us about Midlife, a book he collaborated on with other alumni from the University of Alberta's student newspaper, The Gateway. Midlife is a collection of essays exploring the ups and downs of middle-aged life, which fits right in here. This was a really fun one, and it's short and sweet at 30 minutes. Perfect for your commute to work on the Anthony Henday, your LRT ride from Southgate Mall to Churchill Square, or for your morning jog through Mill Creek Ravine. So, without further delay, here's Rad Dad and Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rad Dad Show today. I'm going to start the way we always do. Who are you? <laughs> well, I'm. Uh, my name's Don. Um, I. Born and raised in this in this city. Uh, born in Saint Albert, raised in the city, okay. and uh, I um, am the junior Cub Scout leader for the Park Allen Twenty Fourth, um, uh, which gives me a chance to hang out with my kids uh, cool. around one of my other uh, uh, things that I do, which is a little bit of work at City Hall. Um, just a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. Um, and uh, and I have uh, two amazing. Uh, kids. My son Dexter is almost twelve, and my daughter Alice is almost nine. And yeah, I'm I'm uh, the mayor of the city, and uh, Sarah and I chose to stay in Edmonton and raise our family here because this is one of the best places uh, to to raise a family. Um, we've got some of the best schools in the in the world here. Amazing quality of life, safety, affordability of housing, and so it was a really a family oriented decision. Um, I actually had an, an opportunity to, I had lived in Toronto and had an opportunity to, to uh, go back there for a job about 15 years ago and really looked at it hard and decided to stay and also said, Hey, there's a chance to make things better around here. And so through our volunteerism and, and community activism and through public service, uh, you know, Sarah and I have both, uh, hopefully not just made a difference, but also taught our kids about the importance of, of volunteerism and community engagement and civic life. Well, that's always been kind of a big part of your platform. It's something I've kind of picked up on. I don't know if platform is the right word, but, you know, your mission as the mayor um, has been focused on family um, in many ways and something I've appreciated as a parent myself. Um, do you consider yourself a rad dad? <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's one of those 
things that I'm not sure you can self-apply. I think there's some sort of initiation ritual and I haven't been able to make it. I've been invited <laughs> to lots of your events and they look, you know, in the before time, they looked amazing. Everything's virtual now, but uh, I hope one day to to qualify as a rad dad. I can only aspire at this point. And, uh, but I do have a shirt uh, that someone did did give me. Um, so so maybe somebody thinks I'm a rad dad. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, well uh, what do you okay. think? What makes a rad dad? Well, I think, you know, I, I know lots of, lots of rad dads, um, in my peer group, uh, uh folks, uh, who are at different stages of, of having kids. Um, Sarah and I had kids a little bit earlier than a lot of our other friends. So, uh, some of them are, uh, have, a lot of them have younger kids than us. And, um, and it's just really lovely to see dads doing non-traditional things with their kids too and um by which i mean like sort of defying gender stereotypes to mm -hmm. lots more you know non-traditional households with people staying at home two dads households um with friends of mine who through adoption are our parents to kids who really need parents um uh, because of the circumstances they came into and so you know i think rad dads can come in all shapes and sizes and then um, I think I think my own dad is pretty rad, actually. Uh, okay. So, yeah, tell uh, me about that. Yeah. So, and, and this is speaking of non-traditional parenting. Um, my uh, my mom uh, is retired now, but she's sort of a teacher for life. Uh, they kind of had to drag her out of the university, really. Okay. Uh, and she's still a professor emeritus. She still does community service work uh, uh, related to teaching. But she's a um, an English teacher, taught in high schools for decades. Then along the way, got her PhD and became uh, a professor and was uh, at the University of Alberta for decades as well. So, you know, long after she had a full pension, she was still like, no, this is what I want to do. Right. So she's yeah. sort of not quite working for free, but really working for the love of it. But she was especially when she went uh, uh, to Calgary for her PhD, which was a lot of traveling back and forth. Um, uh, and because my dad's an artist and worked from home, was self-employed. Uh, I actually spent a lot of time with my dad uh, early on um, that is is different than a lot of my peers whose right. dads worked and either moms also worked or moms moms were more traditionally the the home-based parent. And so uh, we had all kinds of a, a rad adventures. Um, I remember he was installing a beautiful piece of public art uh, in a park in Saskatoon and anyone who's been uh, to the park near the old art gallery would remember these two-dimensional um, cutout figures that that are kids that you can interact with and I got to hang out with him while he was making that art with his his partner um, uh, in time Tommy Galley uh, they have they were called the Spruce Brothers and they did all these public okay. art collaborations back in the 80s and I got to like go along with my dad on these, uh, like to industrial places where steel was getting cut. And uh, like when we had this flat deck truck and we delivered this art to Saskatoon. And so I have these amazing memories of um, being in the art scene with my dad. And he was involved with Latitude 53 in the early years oh, as cool. well. And there was all these intellectuals smoking cigarettes all the time. And so I, I got to, I got to interact with all these interesting people who are older than me. And I should add, I'm an only child. So um, that, I guess, helped me be okay with hanging out with people who are a lot older than me, which right. was really handy when I became a city councillor at 28. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's right. So yeah, it sounds like you had, um, you kind of referenced this, but a bit of a maybe non-traditional experience with, with your dad based on the time that you were in. And we talked to lots of dads about this that, you know, kind of in, in our age group, I'm kind of lumping myself in with you. I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but um, you know, it was a more traditional type of situation for most families, even at that point. And certainly as you go back 10 or 20 years before that, right? It was kind of dad at work and maybe mom was at home, maybe mom was working, but a lot of those um, parenting sort of roles, you know, traditionally fell on mom. So that's certainly evolving these days, which you've um, alluded to. Um, So where exactly were you in your career when you had kids? Um, I was in my first term on city council. so I was elected at 28 in 2007. I'm coming up on 42 now. And so to answer your age question, and, <laughs> and uh, so Dexter, pardon me, Dexter was born um, in uh, 2009, uh, almost exactly the halfway point uh, between elections. We were very lucky oh, okay. with the timing. Um, and uh, then our daughter Alice was born almost exactly three years later at almost exactly the midpoint between the 2010 and 2013 elections. So um, uh, my son was four uh, and a half when I became mayor and Alice, there's a great picture actually I have in my office of me holding her on election night when I became mayor and she's oh, man. one and change there. Um, and so she doesn't remember that, but Dexter vaguely remembers dad becoming mayor. And, um, and so they've grown up with, yeah. with their dad being the mayor, which I gather has pluses and minuses on the playground. Um, right. it is a certain aura of protection, uh, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but also I think it, it is in a way that they've never known it any other way. I'm sure it is odd to have, uh, a parent who is high profile in the community, um, and, and so, so yeah, that's the, the chronology of it. Interesting. Okay. So did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Huge fears, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot and, and on two layers, one, like the, I think the, the, the questions that anyone who's the least bit reflective should have, which is like, am I going to screw this up? This yeah. is a huge responsibility. <laughs> you know, these lives, lives are on the line, right? Lives depend, depend on you. Um, So I think there's that natural kind of question uh, that that bit of anxiety about um, how will this go? And this is a huge responsibility not to be undertaken lightly. So, you know, certainly I think I was not alone in that, but um, I I just um, wrote a piece about the other layer of this for me, which was actually um, climate anxiety. Um, And and I was in, I got to be involved uh, and the the piece uh, came out in an anthology that's just been released called Midlife that uh, my wife, Sarah, and her um, uh, colleague of ours from the old campus newspaper days, where 27 of us got to know each other uh, and, and who ended up becoming contributors to this book. But Sarah and Jen had this idea of producing an anthology as a COVID something to do get together project. And it became a reflections on midlife. And so I wrote about um, the struggle I had, whether to even have kids, uh, because I was so concerned and am still very concerned about 
the environment and our trajectory generally and, and particularly around climate change. And, and becoming a city councillor, I mean, I was concerned about this going back to before and it motivated me to be involved in public service was to try to drive a sustainability conversation that I think younger people um, have driven around the world to make change on this. I was one of those younger people when I started this. And the essay sort of tracks the ebb and flow of global climate policy, the role of cities in that international diplomacy, the work we've done in Edmonton, and sort of the points in time where I had hope and I said, you know, I think it's going to be okay. We should have kids. I think yeah. it's going to be fine. And then things getting really bad again, you know, four or five years ago in the United States, think like, oh my God, what have we done? Can yeah. we, can we do this? Right. And, and so I think um, I'm glad that I had kids though, because they have provided a laser like anchor focus. Sorry, that's a very mixed metaphor <laughs> and, and, and anchor and a laser like focus. Yeah. To, to stay true to particularly the work on climate, but also zooming out just a little bit, like you alluded to this at the beginning, my key performance indicator isn't, you know, winning the next election or the next news cycle or anything. My real key performance indicator is building the kind of city that my kids are going to want to stay in. Right. Uh, because so many of my, my peers didn't see Edmonton as that place. And even I left for a couple of years and tried Toronto. And I think it's easy to take this place for granted, but... Um, and so I, I don't anymore and literally am, you know, giving public service to try to make things better here in the city. But ultimately, I want when my kids are of the age where they're making the decision where they want to be that to know that this is a place that is welcoming of everybody that is just that is full of opportunity, that is safe, that has clean air and water, and is a place full of people trying to do the right thing globally, locally, environmentally, socially, um, that it's that kind of place. And that it has great infrastructure and affordable places to live and all those practical things. So, so, so my kids have, have kept me really grounded in that intergenerational arc of justice, which has, if you look at it, is in our new city plan, is in our energy transition plan, is in our plan to end poverty in a generation is in our work to end homelessness. All of those things are are tied to that objective for not just for my kids, but for everybody's kids and the next generation of leaders in the city. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, like um, a lot of parents, you talk to parents, they talk about their perspective changing when they become a parent, right? You kind of see things a little bit differently when you apply that in the context of um, someone who's driving policy, um, municipally or otherwise, um, it's interesting to see how that can affect that policy on kind of a larger scale. So like I said earlier, like I think it, as a parent, it's neat to see that and it's um, important um, to know that somebody out there is kind of looking out for the future generation. Um, so your kids have obviously affected, you know, that side of things for you. Um, like what would you say are the most rewarding aspects of being a father? Uh, I think, you know, my kids have taught me innumerable lessons about patience and, and empathy. And because I think it's so much easier to understand when they're lashing out that, that, that pain or whatever the stimulus is, it's, it's a lot easier to see the stimulus and the response. Um, and it's a lot easier to not take it personally. Um, 
till they get older and they really find your buttons, I hear, but we're, <laughs> they're not there yet. Um, but I think that, you know, that is the, that is the compassion and the humanity that we need more of for each other in the world period. And that was before the pandemic. I mean, right. And so I, you know, I think they've taught me a lot about empathy and they taught me a lot about compassion just by being themselves. Right. And by being, by being flawed, by being upset sometimes by being learning, growing fallible creatures. And, and that's helped me also not give myself such a hard time. Like I describe myself as a recovering perfectionist and, (laughs) and you would hear, you know, a thread of that in my concern about whether I would get parenthood right. But now I see it very much as kind of a cumulative effects thing, as opposed to like a linear right, wrong thing. So, so they've taught me a lot of valuable lessons about that. And I think I've learned a bit of chill uh, as a result. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like, you know, you become a parent and like, I find it's the least chill thing ever, but it does teach you to kind of relax a little bit. And I'm kind of the same way, but type A perfectionist kind of person. And you just learn at a certain point, okay, I need to give this up. Like there's no way to achieve perfection in this chaotic environment. Um, so I want to get back to something you said a little bit early. You talked earlier, you talked about um, your kids on the playground and um, having a father who's in a public role. So I like, can you talk a little bit about how you manage that? So maybe there's a couple things I'm kind of interested in that work-life balance. Um, Cause I imagine that's what's that. Yeah. <laughs> the concept of work-life balance. Um, uh, however, a person achieves that. And then, um, you know, boundaries. Cause I, you know, I've mm. spoken to some other um politicians or other people kind of in the public eye where boundaries are really important too in terms of you know you're you're in the public eye how exposed is your family to that um and and how you manage that so maybe you can talk a little bit about that yeah i mean there's a lot of a lot of layers there um but first of all you know i think we have been cautious and thoughtful about not i talk about the kids a lot in terms of this sort of compass and KPI for intergenerational justice and long-termism and um, how that, how those values ground my leadership. Um, But I'm, I'm careful not to use them as props either. Mm -hmm. Um, And only at this point with their you know, other than Alice being kind of up on stage with me on election night, that's kind of the natural uh, a photo op, but, but, uh, outside of that, um, we've been really selective ab- about, about that. And, uh, but they have gotten to take some very cool field trips as a result yeah, of this. Sure. And, uh, Dexter is really excited to ride on the Valley line, uh, when we get a chance to, to go check that out because yeah. he's, sort of watched that get built and heard about how important it is and is a big believer in public transit and loves the train. Um, but, but in, um, uh, in, and I talk about him quite a bit in the essay, cause there's a, a funny story about how a particular policy point got emphasized, which we can talk about in a minute, but, um, but yeah, I mean, at this point only, you know, I, I wouldn't put a photo of him up without his permission. Right. Cause he's, he's, his, his consent matters and his privacy matters. Um, and, and we've had nothing but excellent and thoughtful support from the school, the, the scout pack, others who, who keep yeah. things very chill 
Um, but also know that, uh, you know, they're, um, are just mindful of, of some of the extra dimensions and considerations. Um, and so, so yeah, th there is some extra complexity uh, to it, but it also comes with some phenomenal opportunities, some behind the scenes peaks, some chances to meet people. Uh, you know, Dexter came with me to, um, uh, when I got to uh, interview Bill Nye, the science guy on the stage oh, at the Jubilee Auditorium. And he got to meet Bill and Bill signed something for him and they got a picture together and Dexter just treasures that. And most kids aren't gonna get to do that, right? So he's gonna have some, amazing memories like that, that, um, that, you know, offset some of the, the other complexities that arise from it. But the other thing is like, they're at the age where it's still kind of cool, I guess, for his peers that, yeah. you know, people don't, they know mayor's a thing. I don't know if they know how much it is, but it was also really cool for me to drop into his class and, and I'm looking forward to doing the same for Alice's class to, to um, be the guest when they were looking at local government in the in the curriculum, right? And talking about democracy and and having those conversations with him. And then the other day, he just he he started asking me about taxation and and then came to the same conclusion about tax reform that most economists come to on his own after a rich discussion. So he's paying attention, which is <laughs> awesome. And Alice is is a little bit younger, um, uh, but you can tell she really cares about people and cares about issues too. And so I think she's gonna come into her own on that too. I'll be excited to see what, you know, 30 years from now, what having had this kind of experience when they were very young um, will mean for their service and their development uh, in the future. Right, yeah, it's so cool. I can't imagine what it would have been like, you know, to be a young kid and have you know, some of those opportunities there, um, but certainly coming to terms with kind of having to share your dad with, you know, all these other um, things that are required of you as well. Um, so it sounds like you guys are kind of managing to find that, that balance. Well, I, yeah, I, and I, I, balance is a really tricky concept and I'm, I'm increasingly leery of it because it's sort of, it's a word that can paper over a lot of complexity. So I yeah. wouldn't say that we, we've had great balance um, all the time. What we've had is we've had integration mm -hmm. uh, of the best of what this kind of role opens up against the trade-offs that come with it. And, um, and I, in a way I've come to see that differently because of COVID, because instead of working 80 hours a week and being you know out and about all the time, I'm probably still working as hard and I'm probably under, undertaking more emotional labor and stress in probably 60 hours a week of a mix of virtual meetings and hybrid meetings at City Hall and high stakes conversations with other governments and, and, and civil society leaders in our community. Like it hasn't been easy, but I've been home for dinner more in the last year than in the last 10. Right. And that's been lovely, actually. So that's also shown me that, you know, a couple of things, like maybe there's different ways for us to do this. Maybe it's not healthy to work 80 hours yeah. a week and be out every night. And that the, sh the change in pace has given me kind of a pull focus and some perspective on that. Um, so I wouldn't, but I wouldn't say I've achieved balance. <laughs> well, that's a moving target, right? Like, I think it is for everybody finding that balance. That's a, always a moving target. Um, so... What's next for Don Iveson? I know, you know, you've kind of publicly announced 
this is going to be your last term as mayor. So what's what's coming up in the next month's year? I know you talked a little bit about midlife already, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. So we have a mutual acquaintance, uh, Jeff Moisa, as part of that book. And I sort of know him through some friends. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but I had heard that the book was coming out and you were part of it. So uh, that's very cool. Kind of neat little connection. What else is going on for you over the next little while? Well, yeah, being like the treasurer of this little uh, social enterprise publishing project is, <laughs> has, uh, uh, is off the side of my desk on top of other things. And we'll see where it grows, though it's done phenomenally well. Um, uh, and I'm really proud of Sarah and, and Jen and, and all the other people who volunteered on this. And Jeff was actually coordinating distribution out of Toronto where the printers were. So, you know, a lot of people have labored to make this fun little thing happen. It's got some very heartwarming uh, and moving pieces in it too. So, so uh, I, but I don't think it'll be publishing. I, you know, I did my time in, in, in the media and publishing business back when there was such a thing, there's not much of it left. So I don't think it's going to be that. Um, but yeah, I really, I really don't know. I do know I, I won't be the mayor of Edmonton after uh, after the end of October here, and after eight years in this job and six years uh, on city council before, I do feel a lot of uh, satisfaction about uh, the the trajectory we have put the city on, in spite of the headwinds that we we have here economically and with the pandemic and some of the challenges that we have, um, uh, which I won't go into. <laughs> trying to get certain things resolved. Um, um, so, so I think, you know, my public service, because uh, I do have a sense of unfinished business, you know, I committed to the goal of ending homelessness and have pushed very, very hard and got the federal government to up its ambition considerably. And we're, we're still on a pathway to get there, but it's not going to happen by October. I'm going to still be active on issues like that of, of justice that matter to me. Um, and I've spoken elsewhere about why that's important to me. Um, so I won't, I won't go into that here, but, um, uh, and, and there's all kinds of other possibility, you know, some of what, uh, some of what's happening in the energy transition space uh, and some of the opportunities for this region around green buildings and hydrogen and smart infrastructure, tech enabled, you know, machine learning enabled um, smart city solutions. You know, this is all pretty jargony stuff, but I've been immersed in this jargon yeah. for a while and met some pretty extraordinary people from across the country and around the world working on these things. And so maybe I'll get to work on some of those kinds of things carrying on. So it's not going to be like a hard stop from the, the issues um, and and the technologies and and most importantly the people who I've met who are doing just inspiring things. So you know I hope I'll get to continue to work uh, on some of those some of those kinds of things going forward. Um, but I probably could use a break as well. So so yeah I don't know I'm honestly trying to figure that out right now. But uh, uh, though again my primary focus is I mean there's still a very active public health crisis and economic yeah. challenges in our community uh, lots of transitional issues the politics isn't getting any less complicated so I still primary focus is still very much uh, uh, trying to lead this community and this organization through this continuing challenge so so that doesn't leave, leave me a lot of time to have high anxiety about what I'm going to do next but um, so we'll see figure it out later yeah. well but I do hope I do hope that you know, as with the last year, I'm going to have some some more and different opportunities to to do neat things with my kids and have some other different kinds of adventures uh, that that people can have when they're not pulling those kinds of schedules and and not 
getting called in the middle of the night when things are going awry and right. all those other things that have been a part of my life as and a part of their entire lives. Right. Well, I want to thank you, um, first of all, for your time today, uh, for your contribution to our city. You know, personally, big fan of yours. And uh, I'm looking forward to riding the west leg of the, the LRT when it comes out that way. Um, and thanks for being a rad dad. Um, any closing thoughts for dads out there listening? Um, well, just, just thanks for hanging in there. Like all families, all households, all workplaces, all communities everywhere have been under tremendous stress, uh, in this pandemic. And, and I've been doing a lot of reading and reflection about, um, mental health, uh, and about, um, physiological manifestations of long-term stress and collective community trauma. And these are real things that are happening in our community. And I think um, networks like yours um, uh, and, and many others who are now talking much more openly about how we support each other, how it's okay to not be okay all the mm -hmm. time. Like I think everybody I know has had at least one kind of minor breakdown over the last year, just with the stress of all of this, uh, concern for our parents and our elders, concern for, for jobs, concern for, for friends who are sick, uh, stress with childcare issues, uh, virtual school issues, which many people are dealing with again here right now. Yeah. So, so hang in there because we will get to the other side of this. Hope is what will get us through um, uh, in terms of resilience and then cooperation and doing the right thing, um, which is all the rules and getting vaccinated as soon as you can, all those things. There is a far side to this and it's not as far away as it feels like at the in the low points. But also then just talking about the need for that resiliency and how to support each other and how to get resources and that that this recognizing this has been hugely stressful uh, and and men particularly I think have a harder time with talking about that and having vulnerability around that and so I think any any opportunity to do that uh, with with fellow dads with other men in safe spaces to get those supports um, so that we can be rad dads and, and better human beings all the time. Like that kind of growth is available to any of us at all times. But I think this pandemic has just given us a huge opportunity for reflection, uh, to ask tough questions about toxic masculinity, which we see so much yeah. out there of these days and hold each other capable of, of, uh, of not reacting from the anger and the pain that's behind all of that, but challenging ourselves to, to be, you know, agents of healing and agents of justice. Cause I think that's what, that's what makes a really rad dad. Yeah, that, that's so great. I think, uh, I totally agree. Um, definitely lots of the things we're, we're hoping to be available to kind of provide in our communities, just that network of support. Right. And that is so important. So, um, again, appreciate your time today. Hopefully we'll get you out to an event, uh, one of these days when it's safe to do so. So, Look forward to it. Yeah, all the best. Take care. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. This is fun. All right. That was Don Iveson on the Rad Dads Show. Thank you so much, Don, for joining us. We really appreciate it. If you want to go find out more about what Don's doing, go to donivison.ca. And if you want to check out Midlife, and you should, go to midlifebook.ca. And thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. 
On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show. And on Facebook and Twitter at at rad dads show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, as I said in the beginning, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. You can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.